0: From Buck studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark, here again with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call is 800-462-7413. And along with
1: your cause, we have some topics to talk about, Zorba. Right. We're going to talk about drinking, moderate drinking, where does alcohol fit into a good lifestyle, or is it really good for your heart or bad for your heart? And let me tell you something. There's controversy involving alcohol, and then the other thing we're going to talk about is aspirin, where we go back and forth on who should take aspirin, who shouldn't take aspirin. So these are interesting, controversial topics. We'll talk about that. Yeah, looking forward to it. What's our recipe? chicken you like chicken right Mm -hmm. sure avocado do you like avocado yeah how about caprice? Do you know what caprice means? No, I have no idea. I have no idea either. But we've got <laughs> – I know what the salad is. It's chicken avocado caprice salad. And I know if it's if you do caprice and it's French, it has a little squiggle on like the R or something mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, I know how to make this salad. It's a great recipe, folks. Listen up. And we
0: know uh, what the phones are and we're going to
1: them right now. 1-800-462-7413.
0: 7413 800- 800 Four six two seven four one three. Our first caller joins us now, Zorba, a listener in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi.
2: Hello. How are you guys doing?
0: Fine. How can we help?
2: I do had a quick question about uh, my fiance. Um, Whenever he works out, especially when he's doing um, some sort of high-intensity interval training, um, it seems that his heart rate gets up really high, and then um, when he stops, he feels like he's going to pass out, and sometimes he actually, you know, does pass out. Um, so what he started doing is kind of trying to to cool down, like doing jumping jacks in between the uh, intervals that he does. And I was we were just wondering whether that's concerning or something we should get
1: looked at. Right, right. So how old is he?
2: He is twenty seven.
1: Okay, twenty seven. Any history of heart disease or anything like that?
2: No, nothing uh-huh. like
1: that. Okay, so nothing like that. So, uh, what does he do for a living? Besides exercise, um, I know exercise. He does, he does it, but he doesn't do it for a living. What's he do for a living? Um, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Well, there's no heavy lifting. I mean, physical lifting when you're a lawyer. They do have a lifting when it comes to some of the other stuff. Okay, so he exercises, gets that heart rate up, and then a little bit more detail. What is actually happening?
2: So he has a watch that monitors his heart rate, okay. and when he does, mm-hmm. um, you know, he'll do. He does a little Tabata workout, so he'll do fifty seconds of high intensity workout mm-hmm. followed by ten seconds of, you know, uh, you know, relax, and then fifty seconds on, ten seconds off.
1: Got you. Okay. Um, so when he's got this, when he's, so when he's got this feeling, when does it occur within his workout? When does it actually happen?
2: Um. So it actually happens after he's done. So mm-hmm. he. The 10 seconds are totally fine. And after he's done, that's when he feels like he's going to pass out.
1: So, and that, how long does that last for?
2: Um, I would say about five minutes.
1: Time, oh, two, a, three
2: minutes. Of the, mm-hmm. Yeah, quite
1: a long time. Okay. Quite a long time. Okay. Um, so uh, I've, got, I've got some suggestions. First of all, he should see somebody. That's, that's number one because you don't really expect to pass out and see whether or not there's something going on there. I think you should see somebody. And, and something else, um, and it, recently I read a, uh, some interesting article of something called IHSS, idiopathic hypertrophic. Uh, cardiomyopathy, And this is where the muscle of the heart kind of overgrows. Uh, and, it, and it turns out it's much more common than we ever thought because when we've been doing echoes and we found that it's really, it's really a common thing. And this is something where you can have very minimal symptoms such as he has. Now, it doesn't mean he has it by any means. But an echocardiogram is going to look at his heart and look at how it, what it actually looks like structurally. Because you really don't expect somebody to pass out after they've done exercise and if they feel a little bit weak afterwards, like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm going to pass out, if it goes away in 10 seconds, 15 seconds, that may be kind of like your, you know, your body is readjusting. But three to five minutes – that's kind of a little bit more. So I think he really ought to have it something that he looks at, uh, you know, that he gets looked at. And if he came into my office and I were to look at him, you know, I might examine him and I most likely would order an echocardiogram just to look at the structure of his heart to rule out that there's anything structurally going on that is significant. And then if I looked at that and I said that was fine, but I still wanted to continue to do something, I'd probably put him on a treadmill and see what his recovery looked like. That's what I would do. So I think it was a good call. I can't answer it on the radio, but I hope I have steered you in the right direction.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah, we appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You you too. Bye-bye. We
0: appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. Before our next call, Zorba, does moderate drinking
1: protect your Heart. Well, it's a big issue, and I mean, we go back and forth. I mean, it, really, so we go back and forth because there's some studies that show having one drink a day for a woman, two drinks a day for a man, is really safe, and there's some studies that show that having a drink a day, actually. Uh, is good for your heart. It's actually good. But once you have over two drinks a day, it's not good for your heart. Now, it's interesting because there have been a couple of studies looking at atrial fibrillation, which is a heart irregular beat that, by the way, can be associated with stroke. And in some of those studies, it seemed to show that having a drink a day increased the risk that you would actually have atrial fibrillation. And they looked in, there was an article, a study recently in Australia, 140 people, 150 people with, with atrial fibrillation relation, they looked at the Aussies who were drinking. They had an average of 17 drinks a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. they're drinking more, uh, you know, obviously more than a drink a day, which would be seven or two drinks a day. Um, and they were asked, 70 of them were asked to abstain. It was interesting when they looked at the article, would you possibly abstain from drinking? <laughs> You've got to ask, you're smiling. <laughs>
0: Is there some money
1: involved Is in there some, some money involved? <laughs> um, they, they, quote, managed to reduce their consumption. Managed to reduce their consumption. Mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll work on cons- reducing my consumption yeah. from four drinks away to two drinks a day. And anyway, over a six-month period, those who actually succeeded in reducing their consumption had a lower incidence of atrial fibrillation. There may be some other things going on here. Anyway. The bottom line of recent research uh, in an article published in, uh, in JAMA Open Network uh, is that it's a little bit unclear whether or not moderate drinkers have less heart disease because they have a different lifestyle. In other words, I, you know, I have a glass of wine, uh, I would say probably four or five nights a week, not 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 every night. And when I say a glass of wine, it really is a small glass of wine. I don't have very much at all. Well, am I is the wine protecting me? Or do I have less heart attacks because I do other things that are healthy? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And if I sat there and I had two beers every night, is it the two beers or three beers are bad for me? Or is it because if I'm having three beers, I'm eating frozen pizza and brats? That has yet to be, fig- that has yet to be figured out. Mm. So – Then there's the cultural issue. There's what I call the puritanical issue. Anything that feels good for you must be bad for you. Right? (laughs) Sex in marriage is okay. Sex outside of marriage must be bad for you. May feel good, but it must be bad for you. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to drinking, no, you know, drinking really can't be good good for you. We Puritans say it can't be good for you, although they often had a glass of rum in breakfast in the morning. So there are other Cultural issues there. So when I look at all this data together, um, I think the jury is out on how protective a glass of wine. Or uh, a can of beer or frankly, you know, uh, uh, a mixed drink Mm -hmm. is for you every day. But I, when I read all the information together, I'm going to continue having my glass of wine every day or five days a week. (laughs) And I'm not going to read the other studies because they're just confusing me. (laughs) That's the best way. You know, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) That's the reason, folks, that we uh, have Dr. Zorba Master that's ignorant. right. That's right. We're trying to we're trying to promote ignorance. If you don't want to, if you if you don't want to follow a study, just don't read it, and it makes it makes life easier. I think we're going to get some pushback from some of our listeners on that. Eight hundred four six
0: two seven four one three. That's eight hundred four six two seven four one three. We have a stored call now, Zorba, a listener in El Paso, Texas. Got it. Got it. I'll do it. I'll do it. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, a voicemail from Eau Claire, Wisconsin.
2: Does taking medication to help you sleep affect your sleep or your memories or the learning that you you get when you sleep? That's my question. Thank you.
1: It's a good question. Depends on the medication, by the way. So if you're taking uh, an over-the-counter medication to sleep, which is usually an antihistamine. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly doesn't affect your memory very much. It's not going to do much to you unless you're older. Like if you're 75 years old and you're taking an antihistamine, it may actually dull your you know, your memory the next day because mm-hmm. it may change your sleep. And there's, uh, there's something called the Beer's Criteria, which sort of looks at drugs that may affect older people in an adverse mm-hmm. way, it makes you dizzy, may make you a little tired. So at, at 65 or 75 or 85, that drug may affect you, but it doesn't affect you at the age of 25. And that's over-the-counter sleeping pills, which inevitably, if they don't have melatonin, they usually have an antihistamine, the side effect of sleepiness. Now, what about prescription drugs? Well, let's look at Ambien, a very common prescription drug. That can affect your memory. You can engage in nocturnal eating. Um, I had a patient of mine and they took Ambien and the husband came downstairs here, some rattling in the kitchen. And it was like 1.30 in the morning. Couldn't figure out what it was. Came downstairs, didn't have a gun in his hand, luckily. Mm-hmm. Turned out his wife was making eggs. And she was kind of out of it. What are you doing? I'm just making eggs. I thought I'd have breakfast. It's 1 30 in the morning, honey. She engaged in ambient sleepwalking behavior. Uh-huh. So there's some drugs that can do it. There's some drugs that can't. You want to look at it. Now, melatonin, which is not a very strong over-the-counter medication, is safe throughout the lifestyle. If you're older, older than the age of 65, and you're going to take anything, either over-the-counter or not, give a call to your healthcare professional or send them a note and say, is this safe for me? Especially if you're concerned about it. Most of these drugs, though, they don't affect your memory permanently. They just may affect your memory on that day or -hmm. they might have a hangover. So I occasionally will take Benadryl to go to sleep if I'm really tired or I'm in the mountains. And it actually affects me when I wake up in the morning for about three or four hours. I have a hangover for for it, a uh, hangover rather, mm-hmm. from it. And I don't feel I'm quite as um, energetic. My word-finding difficulties are sort of there. So I tend not to use it unless I'm not doing something the next day. You know, I never do it the night before. Mm-hmm. I do a radio show because, Tom, I know if I look at you and I'm not really up to date and I- I'm not on there, you're, you're going to notice it right away, right? You're always up always- <laughs> to date. <to>, <laughs> but tell me this.
0: You say, ask the age. Well, yeah. what's the difference if the person says
1: 65, yeah. 75, yeah, or eighty-five? Well, that's a that is a good question. A sixty-five year old and an eighty-five year old, that's a good thing. Well, you can be eighty you can be sixty-five and have the body and the brain of an eighty-five year old because you smoke cigarettes, mm-hmm. drank alcohol, you know what I mean? So the drug is gonna affect have diabetes and so the drug may affect you more at sixty five than at eighty five. So you bring up an important point. There are other variables here that count to on the whole the older that you get the more the side effects of the drugs are going to be there because your body does not metabolize them the same way but the other variable is whether you not you have pre-existing conditions and how healthy you are and what you're doing now when it comes to like 105 you know that's <laughs> my the oldest patient I ever had was just five days short of 106, whoa. and he was still driving, passed his driving test, yeah. passed his whoa, driving test, whoa, whoa. and had a girlfriend because his wife had died 30 years before he was you know 105 or you know almost 106, and his girlfriend was a and she was 87. <laughs> 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 Pretty good. before we take a break look <laughs> he was quite a guy too he was he was I'm just going to finish with him. Yeah, no, he, was a, he was a curmudgeon. So his family wanted to take his keys away from him. They said, we don't want him to drive. I said, why? He lost his keys. And I said, well, that's not a good enough reason. You can lose your keys if you're 25. I don't know. Whatever it was. They said, let's have a family discussion about this. So we got yeah. together, had a family discussion in the office. And they said, well, we don't think it's a good driver. He said, well, I'll take a driving test. He agreed. So – went to take the driving test. He was quite hard of hearing and they flunked him. And so he said, the guy who tested me didn't like me because I was old Mm -hmm. uh, and he had an accent and I couldn't hear him. So he called back and he yelled yelled at the Department of Transportation. They said, you should not take away my license to do it. They came out to his house and they came out to his house and They tested him and they passed him. You know, they did a personal (laughs) test. (coughs) But then they passed him for two things no nighttime driving. Well, that made sense. He said, I'm not going to drive it. But he could only go 20 miles from his house. Okay, only 20 miles. His girlfriend lived 25 miles away. I said, You know what? Where'd this 20 miles come from? You go visit your girlfriend, and if you get a ticket, We'll deal with it. Anyway, he died before he got a ticket, but he kept on visiting his girlfriend. (laughs) Good story. 800-462-7413
0: is our number if you have a question for Zorba. Before we take a break now, Zorba, let's check in again with your favorite eager beavers, the Grammar Police. Actually, Zorba, this email came to us from a very seldom heard from division of the Grammar Police. This one is from the Blood Police. The Blood Police? And Zorba, we're not (laughs) sure if this officer's rank is within the Blood Police, but let's assume he's a captain. So we're going to call him... Captain Hemo. Okay. (laughs) The following email came to us from a listener, Jim, in New Glarus, Wisconsin, who writes, I'm a retired CNA and surgical assistant. As you are a healthcare professional, especially one who communicates with the public, I cringe at your use of the term blood thinners for anticoagulants. As you well know, these do not thin the blood, even though they can keep the blood from thickening with coagulation. The blood does not get more watery or thinner when one uses anticoagulants. Please, please stop using this
1: misleading term. I'm in favor of always using correct terms. You know. You know, it's funny, but he brings up a really good point. We say blood thinners and people know what they are. If I said anticoagulant, I would lose a lot of the audience. Now, I don't mean the public radio audience. Come on. I mean, they're all anticoagulant, but. But the reality is a lot of people say, well, what's an anticoagulant? Because the common term is blood thinner. But it's like the common term heart attack is not the same as myocardial infarction, which is really the correct term. So I like to use common terms that people use because I'm more likely to communicate the correct way. He is actually correct in a pedantic way. (laughs) (laughs) And God bless him. God bless him, God to love him for doing it, so yeah so he he is correct, but i 'm going to continue to use the word blood thinner and occasionally giving respect because it is true. I will say blood thinners, you know also known as anticoagulants so I, i'm going to alter what i 'm doing a little bit, but i 'm going to still use the common term did something
0: Zorba said on the show make your blood boil? Let us know. Just post on our Facebook
1: page (laughs) or send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org.
0: More of your calls coming up, more of your emails, and we'll be cooking up a healthy chicken, avocado, caprice salad, all coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Tom Clark here with Family Doc Zorba Pastor on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number, if you have a question for Zorba, 800 462 7413. But Zorba, before our next call, we put together chicken avocado caprice salad. What you mean, we? put together <laughs> i mean where where's, where's the we
1: in this salad i mean <laughs> you know i mean other than going to you know your stellar kitchen actually your kitchen is really quite nice cuz monica does a lot of cooking she gets a lot of good she's food she's very good she's very too, good yeah. cook she gets a lot of really good stuff out of that kitchen she by uh, the way is yeah? uh, coming up
0: with the uh, the right kind of recipe for you and Penny, and having you come over.
1: Oh, I think that sounds great. And that even great. if you
0: hate it, you've got to say this
1: is the best hey, I've ever had. I know, had. <laughs> I I know how to say, I know how to say wow, this is delicious okay. without with a wink in my eye. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> chicken
0: avocado caprice salad. That's, right. that's So that's
1: I mean, if you love chicken, I love chicken. You like avocado? I have no idea what the word. What does the word caprice mean? No idea. Carl, do you know what the word caprice means?
0: Yeah, aren't those capris? Aren't those short pants?
1: Capris? Oh my, you know something. You are short always. Short pants <clears throat> salad? Short <laughs> chicken avocado, short, short pants, pants salad. salad.
0: Yeah, you can make this salad when there's a flood. God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, enough on the word. Yeah, enough on the word. Uh, start out with a quarter cup. And by the way, if you know, if if you listeners out there know the derivation in the word caprice, send it into us. We'd like to know. Yeah, um, quarter cup of balsamic vinegar. Quarter cup balsamic vinegar. And It's got to be balsamic vinegar, which mm-hmm. has a different taste. Mm-hmm. Two tablespoonfuls of extra virgin olive oil. Two big tea, extra virgin olive oil. Two teaspoons of brown sugar. It can either be light brown sugar or dark brown sugar. Either two, one of those. Yeah, two little tea, brown sugar. By the way, how do you keep your brown sugar from solidifying in your house? <laughs> <laughs> I, I say to Monica, <laughs> keep, keep it from solidifying. <laughs> you know, That's how if, I do it. If it's long enough, it becomes hard as a rock. Have you ever notice that with brown sugar? Yeah, clumpy. A one teaspoon minced garlic. Little tea, minced garlic. A teaspoon of basil, dried basil. A little tea, dried basil. A teaspoon of salt. A little tea, salt. That is the marinade. Now, let's go for the salad. Four chicken thigh, chicken thigh fillets. You know, so boneless, skinless chicken thighs. So you no bones. No bones about it, no skin, chicken thighs. Four yeah, chicken thigh fillets. And they're more—they're much more flavorful. And they've become much more common over the last few years, just like, you know, boneless skinless chicken breast, which is really dry. Mm. Um, five cups of romaine salad leaves washed and dried. Got to dry them. Very important.
0: Five cups romaine salad leaves washed and dried.
1: An avocado that you're going to slice, little slices. One avocado sliced. A cup of cherry tomatoes, grape tomatoes, little tomatoes. Half cup of fresh mini mozzarella cheese balls. A quarter cup of fresh basil leaves thinly sliced. Quarter cup basil leaves thinly sliced. And salt and pepper. A C P. Okay, so first of all, you're going to make the marinade. You're going to whisk the marinade uh, together. So you're going to whisk together the balsamic vinegar, olive oil, uh, brown sugar, minced garlic, dried basil, and salt. And then you're going to put the chicken in a shallow dish. Pour four tablespoons of marinade into the chicken. Stir it around to evenly coat it. And you're going to reserve the rest of it out there. And by the way, another way, not just a dish. If you put this often in a in a Ziploc bag, and you put the marinade all over. Sometimes that really works even better than a dish. But Marinide, you gotta you gotta leave it there. Probably 30 minutes an hour would be plenty of time. Now it'd be plenty of time. And remember, you gotta put it in the refrigerator. You don't want that chicken sitting on the counter. So then heat one teaspoon of olive oil in a large grill pan or a skillet over medium, sort of medium-high heat. Sear the chicken fillets on each side until golden and crispy and and cook through. So that's gonna take probably about five, six, seven minutes. Once the chicken is cooked, set it aside to rest, then slice the chicken into strips, okay, prepare the salad with lettuce, avocado slices, tomato, mozzarella, cheese, and put the chicken on there and then tap it with basil strips, then drizzle with the remaining dressing, a little salt and pepper, and that's really good. And, you know, if you want to get this recipe and you don't write it down, where do you think it is, Tom? What would your guess be? Um, Go ahead. No idea. No idea. That's right. How about the World Wide Web? They could actually come <laughs> to the World Wide Web. Zorbapastor.org. That's Zorbapastor.org. Or, of course, through Facebook. Is this even worth going to the Web? I mean, uh, Is it even worth going to the Web? Obviously, this is not a Tom Clark recipe. We're not doing <laughs> burgers on the butt. Is it even worth going to the Web? That's right. That's right. Yes, for those who like chicken and avocado, and for those who know what Caprice actually means, it is worth going to the web.
0: Back to the phones now, Zorba. a listener with us in Green Lake, Wisconsin. Hi.
3: Hi. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. My husband and I enjoy your show very much, all of you.
1: Thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you.
3: My situation is a little bit unusual. I, um, I have some black eyes that have not recovered from a fall, which happened five months ago. I am uh, 81 years old and Mm -hmm. in good health, Mm -hmm. and um, five months ago on December 6th, I had a fall
2: Mm
3: -hmm. uh, just coming out of a building in downtown Green Lake. I was not paying attention like one is supposed to do, and I fell face down on the concrete and hit my forehead and was pretty badly banged up. Mm. They took me to the emergency room, and they did an MRI and determined Mm -hmm. I... I did not have um, a concussion. Mm -hmm. I didn't pass out, Mm -hmm. anything like that. So I stayed a few hours in the emergency until I was stabilized, Mm -hmm. and I came home. Mm -hmm. So what I have done is, you know, ice packs at the beginning, which Mm -hmm. helped to some extent. And then later on, I got one of those masks that you can heat in the microwave Mm -hmm. and put that on my... Eyes, and then I tried massaging my cheeks mm-hmm. and so forth, but basically, after five months, I still have blotches on both of my cheeks
1: after five months, you still have lots of discoloration in your cheeks,
3: yeah, kind of blotches mm-hmm. in the middle of each of my cheeks, and it's not the super dark color that you right. get right away right. after but it but it's like a medium mm-hmm. brown and. Right. You know, I am old, I know that and it takes time for
1: these things to resolve. It does, that's um, right. And your skin is thinner when we're older. You know, so when we're younger, it resolves quicker, obviously because we're younger but we also have thicker skin and what happens is, we get older, we lose subcutaneous fat, our skin wrinkles because we lose the elasticity of the skin, subcutaneous fat that actually goes underneath the skin that puffs it up, goes down and it can take forever to get better and then sometimes the blood that's in the skin can actually um, change the color of the skin for long, 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 long periods of time. So, even like though this has been long? five months, and <laughs> yeah. we, we, when we use the word long, when doctors use the word long, you know what they mean? Long. That's all they mean. (laughs) I mean, you know, we don't guarantee our work. We're not like Midas Muffler Shop and other places. It's long. So, this unfortunately is keeping with what happens when people have injuries. And as they get older, they'll say, gee, why is my skin still discolored? Why has this happened? It's been four or five months. It should get better. And the answer is, you're right, it should get better. But your body doesn't respond as much, and there still may be blood underneath the skin that actually produced this uh, discoloration. What I want you to do, go to the store. I want you to get an eye drop, believe it or not, that will help too, called Refresh, R E F R E S H. See Tom, I can oh, spell right. I good. can spell, <laughs> I can spell refresh. Or ask the pharmacist for the equivalent of refresh eye drops. These are great eye drops. Then you go to the same place or go onto the web and you get a microwavable warm mask, eye mask. And these are masks that have little bubbles and they cost about ten bucks, fifteen bucks. You put them in the microwave to warm them up. That's what they mm-hmm. are. They're microwave. Yeah. And then you put the mask in the microwave, warm up. You, you put drops in your eyes, okay, drop in each eye, mm-hmm. put the mask in – well, you, this is the order you do it. It heat up the mask. I have one. I heat it up for 30 seconds, 35 seconds. It really helps with my dry eyes. Then I put the timer on for five minutes. I go and sit down, put the drops in my eyes, put the mask on, and I sit there for five minutes and do that twice a day. And what you'll do Uh is you'll increase the circulation to below your eyes because the heat increases Uh the circulation. And that makes it more likely that this is going to heal and it will speed up healing.
3: So, so in other words, get some refresh. Just the regular refresh eye. Right. Yeah, I've had those before. Okay, right. but I've never done this combination. But you've got to have and the warm,
1: the warm mask, the refresh. And the reason using refresh is while you're there, you might as well treat your dry eyes because you're an old person. And people right. 80s in their eighties have dry <laughs> eyes. You, you get double bang. This has nothing whatsoever to do with discoloration in your cheeks. I just want you to get a twofer. So you're getting it both things. Why not?
3: Absolutely. But <coughs> but it, but it will on. increase
1: it. Will will increase the circulation and that promotes healing Circul- uh-huh. you know, with heat promotes healing so do it twice uh-huh. a day and that may that may help and then give us a call in a month and let us know what happens okay. And by the way, when you said you weren't paying attention, most of us don't pay attention. That's when we fall. And you fall yeah. because you weren't like go you weren't hiking, you weren't doing stuff. The major injuries that I had when I fractured my ankle was not when I was hiking in Tibet and Nepal in the Himalayas. It's when I was in a dog park in Berkeley and I had just yeah. come down a <laughs> steep hill and my foot went one way. I was on the flats. It was embarrassing. You know, yeah. how'd you fracture yeah. your ankles? Was it in Nepal? No, it was in a dog park park on the flats that because I that's,
3: know. You know, it's, and it's such a good lesson though for everybody but seniors particularly just to be mindful i my mind was on a gazillion other things that i had to do that day the right. least of which was to walk to the car without falling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go yeah. so.
3: so i learned a lesson if yes nothing you else, did i will give this a try and uh let us I appreciate so much your time
1: Thanks.
0: Thanks for calling. I appreciate the call. You shouldn't say she's an old person. In our
1: society, you never call anyone old. How about when you're in your 80s? I mean, if you're not old that's, in your 80s.
0: I would say that's not old yet. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. We have a voicemail from Oklahoma.
3: I'm calling about my 3-year-old grandson. He is huge. We think he's going to be like Andre the Giant. He only eats bananas. He'll eat those little pizzas with pepperonis. We don't know what to do about his weight. His heart is fine. He does have a little sleep apnea. What can I do to get this boy his weight down? Thank you, Zorba. I love you guys. Thank you.
1: What a nice call. And thanks you know, thanks for doing nice. this. So what would be the first step I would do? first thing I would do is bring them to a registered dietitian. Talk to their doctor. Get a referral to a registered dietitian. It's going to look at the food and begin to develop a plan of how this young, how this child, this young person should eat. Um, and you've got to begin to take control over what they're eating. So, a lot of times they're drinking a lot of milk. I've had overweight kids who say, I'm drinking milk. Milk is good for me, right? And they're drinking like a half gallon of milk a day, which is a lot of milk and a lot of calories. So, you've got to get a registered dietitian. That's what I would do in here. Find out what's going on and begin to develop a meal, a meal plan. The other issue is if you're only feeding, like we'll say, bananas and other things, which are carbohydrates, you have to figure out a behavioral plan so that you, know, you and your child kind of buy into the same thing you know, to feed them. Because you can say what you want to, but you then have to go forth and actually get that food into the house, the good food. So mm-hmm. registered dietitian, step one, that's where to start.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Before the break now, Zorba, let's crack open the Zorba Pastor on Your Health inbox and take a listener email. The following question came from Nancy in Trout Capital of Minnesota, Preston. Nancy writes, Hello, I love your show. I'm a 75-year-old retired psychologist who... About five months ago, had a plastic surgeon inject Botox into my compassion lines above my nose and eyebrows. The lines are not as deep or noticeable now, but I have a droopy left eye that does not match my other eye. The RN said, Oh! That sometimes happens. He can lift that for you. But after having some fillers above my lips, I don't want any more fillers, as it was excruciating. My husband had to have his eyelids lifted to restore his peripheral vision, mm-hmm. and he had black eyes for a month. So, I want to avoid that if I can. She said the Botox would be gone in 12 to 18 months, and
1: my eye will probably go back to normal then. Will it? Well... First of all, it is from the Botox. I mean, Botox, you know, when you put Botox in, you're basically stopping, you know, you're, you're affecting what's going on and how the muscle is actually working. So you're getting rid of all of the lines in your skin from the muscle that's actually producing those lines. But obviously, some of it seeped into the eyelid itself. And so part of the eyelid is droopy. I mean, it's a Botox result. So you've got a couple of options here. Number one, you got to wait until the Botox goes away. How long does that take? Well, they said it might take a year. So it often goes away in six months, but it could take up to a year. So you really don't want to do anything. And you don't want to have your eye have a filler in it while you're waiting for the for the Botox. Because so all, all of a sudden you have something else putting in your eye. So the answer is... I would do nothing, wait for the Botox to go away. And you got to think about this if you decide to have another Botox injection because your, quote, compassion lines are going to reappear when your eye pops up Mm. to the normal space.
0: Have a healthy living question for Zorba. He's happy to help. Just post it on our Facebook page or send us an
1: email at Zorba at WPR.org.
0: More of your calls coming up, another interesting topic to talk about, and more listener emails as well. All coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number again is 800 462 7413. But before our next call, Zorba, new
1: guidelines. For taking preventative aspirin. Right. Um, So um, aspirin uh, aspirin used to – for a long time, it was very simple. We said everybody ought to take an aspirin. That's what we do to prevent heart attacks. Mm -hmm. Then there was some data that showed really that primary prevention – in other words, if you're a normal, healthy person – aspirin really wasn't doing you any good. Well, then the question was, what about if you're not totally healthy? You've got high blood pressure, you've got diabetes, and so on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a, a group called the U.S. Public Service Task Force, and they're very conservative, and they're sort of finally catching up with some of the things the cardiology people have been saying. You know, the major new guidance that they're looking at. So let's talk about that. That's really important. So, the uh, because this really is influential on how we physicians do things. So there's no longer a recommendation to, for aspirin to prevent a first heart attack or stroke among people 60 years of age or older. In other words, don't you don't do it unless you have a reason. Now, people 40 to 60, it actually they say 40 to 59, but 40 to 59 may, should, possibly something like that, take aspirin, if they are at high risk for cardiovascular disease. That's not really defined. Well, high risk, obviously, if you had a previous heart attack, Mm -hmm. that's at high risk. But high risk, I would say if you have diabetes, but I'm not sure if it means you have hypertension. But anyway, 40 to 50, basically 40 to 59, people should take aspirin if they're at risk for heart disease. Over the age of 60, there is little benefit for taking aspirin. Once again, in primary prevention, where primary prevention means just, you know, you you don't have – you haven't had a heart attack before. And then the recommendation – is you don't want to continue aspirin beyond the age of seventy five at all, unless there is an overwhelming reason. So as you can see, it's kind of clear as mud. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, this is very hard to then give to the you know you know put out to the general public. You know, we still don't understand. It should be here. It should be here. It should be mm-hmm. here. It should be here. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're weighing the side effects of aspirin against against how, what aspirin is doing. The side effects being GI bleeds in your stomach. I mean, that's really And a number of people get that. They get ulcers, they get GI bleeds, and they get sick from it. I think, uh, to me, if I were to simplify it, I would say this. Talk to your doctor about whether or not you should take aspirin and say, I want to follow the guidelines. That's the way to look at it. The other way, if you want to look at it individually, is go to the U.S. Public Service Task Force. That's what it's called, Mm -hmm. the U.S. Public Service Task Force. Plug in your age. Plug in what there is and make your own decision. Basically, it's still very useful for people who have previously had heart attacks. The real issue is primary prevention. You haven't had a heart attack. Who should take it and who should not take it? And once again, when I'm talking about it on the air, I'm only going to confuse people. Go to the website. Yeah, but- when you talk to your doctor, how does the doctor know what does what, – Well, we're supposed what, to know that. We're supposed to plug it in and say, hey, it, you have a, you know, you're, if you're between the – Sometimes if I'm 50, I yeah. should take – Well, if you're 40 to 59 and you're at high risk for heart disease, then you should take it. If you're 40 to 59 and you're not at any risk for heart disease, you shouldn't take it. Oh, okay. The issue is what puts you at risk for heart disease? Diabetes, sure, puts you at risk. How about high blood pressure? Well, it does put you for risk, but I'm not sure how to identify that. And the fact is, the guidelines are still murky. One thing we know is, we've told a lot of people to be on aspirin that don't need to be on it at all.
0: 800 ah. is our number. That's 800 And we go back to the phones now, Zorba, welcoming a listener in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi.
4: Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm I'm always um, I'm always looking for the perfect um, non-prescription orthotic, and I thought I'd found it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and- and uh, for, for, uh, not so much for uh, plantar flashitis on my foot, but, uh, you know, sort of weak tendons and falling arches and stuff. And it was made out of silicone and um, very comfortable and seemed to do the job pretty well. Maybe I wore it too long, um, but it's not clearly not designed to let Mm -hmm. the skin breathe, and Mm -hmm. so I developed either kind of blisters or Uh peeling or something. Mm And so I took it off and and didn't wear it for a while, and then the problem cleared up. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking maybe I should just wear it intermittently.
1: Well, you've got a few options here. First of all, wearing it intermittently uh, would be useful. Uh, Double socks sometimes make a difference, too. In other words, what you do is you have a very thin under sock and then you put your regular sock on top of that. And that often reduces friction. It's very good. Very good for hiking in the mountains. When I was in the Himalayas, I double socked um, every day, hiked for a month, never got a blister. So that's an issue. Double socking reduces friction. So you could do that. Not using it every day can help, but if the plantar fasciitis you know, tends to, tends to bother, you may have to use it every day. Um, how long did you use it before you got a new insert?
4: Did I use it before I got a new insert?
1: Mm-hmm. Now you're using the same insert for like yeah, well, five years? Uh, no,
4: no. Well, uh, let's see. I had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just over the, an over-the-counter sure. product that I purchased, mm-hmm. uh, which was designed differently. And I wore it on top of the sock rather than under the sock.
1: And uh, I was doing
4: that for three
1: years, maybe. So you've got an option. First of all, they may wear out. I mean, think about it. Your whole body weight is on there. So Mm. part of it may be an insert issue where you really have to kind of get a new one every six months or every year. Part of it. Uh, you do use it outside the sock, but I would double sock because uh, because you want to you want to use it you want to use it outside the second sock. But it's the movement between the first sock and the second sock that stops the movement between your skin and the sock. Are you with me? In other words, in other words, that's where you reduce friction because the socks are going to push against one another, and so they're less likely to in, to do friction in the skin because your skin is not going to push against the sock.
4: And where do I position the silicone? uh, Still
1: outside the second sock. Outside the second sock? Yeah, 100%. Just what you're doing. The silicone position is there, but there will be two socks underneath it the thin inner sock and then your regular sock on top of it. Got it. That does a lot for blisters. That does a lot for skin. It really does it. And then, of course, you know, you have to change your socks every day to make sure the moisture in there goes away. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. And those over-the-counter implants are wonderful. They're usually good. They they take care of things at least 95% of the time, if not more.
4: Yeah. Well, I figure it's a cost-benefit. It, it works, you know.
1: Absolutely so. Well, thanks for your call. All right. Thank you. Yeah. 800-462-7413 is our number.
0: That's one eight hundred four six two seven four one three, 462 7413 And uh, we have a voicemail now, Zorba, from Spokane, Washington. Uh, hi, it's Arba. Interested in the new HIV med Cabenuva? It's a single shot injection. If you know anything about it, uh, repercussions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, appreciate it. Thank you.
1: All of the new HIV meds really go through tremendous studies to look at safety, you know, and efficacy because that's really the that's really the important thing with with HIV meds. So that particular medication, like others, proved by the FDA, went through long term uh, long term studies, and the answer is yes, you can choose that med, and I think you can choose it safely. And the advantage of this injection is that it's once a month, so you're not taking a pill every day. You're getting a monthly injection, and for some people, that works really, really well. So the answer is yes, you can take it. For the side effects, all drugs have side effects. Read about the side effects. Anything that's over 5%, a lot of them are like, you don't. if it's below 5%, it may not reach statistical significance. But if it's more than 5%, then it tends to reach statistical significance, which means significance, which means it may be more likely. But for many people, a monthly injection is a much better way to go.
0: Mm. is our number. 1-800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, we love when our listeners pop in to drop some knowledge or lend their expertise to the show. The following listener tip came from Suzanne in East Aurora, New York. Dear Dr. Zorba, I enjoy listening to you and Tom every week well, why on Tom? All I do is say eight hundred four six two seven four one three. She That's loves That's not it. that enjoyable. Make, no, it makes
1: <laughs> her feel really, really good every time you say that. It's the way you say it. It's it, you know what? It's musical. One eight hundred four. I I can't do it. I can't capture. I can't capture it. I'm irreplaceable. <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, um, Anyway, I appreciate all the advice you give to your listeners. Your advice or my advice? Your your advice. It's so nice and uplifting to hear you laugh, and it certainly cheers me up. However – However. Many times why is there a however? Here here comes
1: the that's right.
0: (laughs) Many times you mention a medicine that I would like to write down, but I can't spell the word. Please, uh for me and all those other listeners who can't spell,
1: please spell (laughs) the name of the medicine. Well, I have spelling problems too so I can't always I can't always do it. But but sometimes I will. You could go to Siri on your phone if you have a phone just say hey Siri, how do I spell this medicine? I'll try out I'll try to do a better job sometimes of spelling the medicine, but it pops into my mind. And believe me, when you have dyslexia, if I spell the medicine and it's wrong, then the spelling police are going to be after me.
0: (laughs) Do you have a request to make this a better show? Just post it on our (laughs) Facebook page. I
1: do. I've got a request. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> or send us an email at Zorba at WPR-O-R-G. And, of course, if you go through Facebook, you'll, you can do that, too. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Let's hear another voicemail now, Zorba. This one from a Wisconsin
1: listener.
4: I have a question about hair loss and bipolar and taking lithium. I wonder if that is something that I lose hair to. Thank you.
1: Probably not, probably not I mean if you 're female it 's different, but if you 're male ninety nine percent of all hair loss is male pattern balding and i 'd have to look in lithium, but to the best of my knowledge, hair loss is not one of the one of the things that you need that you need with lithium so uh, and you need lithium if you have bipolar and lithium works, you do not want to stop lithium so i don't i don 't think hair loss i don't i don 't have a PDR book exactly in front of me, but hair loss is certainly not a major issue with lithium, and the answer is, it's an issue with genetics.
0: Mm. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. And before we head out, Zorba, let's do the segment where we feature what our wonderful listeners are writing on the Zorba Pastor on Your Health Facebook page. This is called Facebook feedback.
1: Facebook feedback.
0: Okay, Zorba, we recently posted an old photo of me, probably from the 1980s, wearing a suit <laughs>
1: and holding a telephone. See? <laughs> You're showing, you know something? This is definitely the 1980s. The phone you have... Probably doesn't exist. Well, it probably exists in your house right now, but it's definitely it's definitely dated, no yeah, doubt okay, about it. De- so, but on the other end, on the other end, you look pretty hip, man. So, pretty hip uh, for the eighties. So you know? let's ha- you let's know. do
0: this in a hurry. Let's have you read <laughs> some of the replies we got from
1: our lovely Facebook God followers. Bless Gotta love them. Okay, first up, Robert in Saint Augustine, Florida, wrote, "Wow, that's a push button phone." pretty progressive for Tom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> to next up, Jack. No, no, I read him. Next up, Jack wrote, somewhere there's a 70s game show missing his host. Yeah, you kind of do look like a game show host. That's it. You know, how about, you know, Wheel of Fortune? That Can we end the all show? All right, right. no, 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 no. Connie wrote, I once recall coming home in the wee hours of the morning after a night in the emergency room. She's in Madison, obviously, and there was Tom heading for work, so I knew it was early when I saw him. Okay. Right. How early did you go here? You
0: know, you get I, here? I used to you know, work really, yeah. really, really, really,
1: really, 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 really early. Really, really, really early. Anyway, and then are, there's are we done Terry. Yet? No, we're not. No, we're not. Terry in Decatur, Illinois said. Quote, Tom was a real dapper fellow back then. Doesn't think you're dapper now, obviously, too. What a neat photo to have. My initial thought that he was a tall Billy Crystal doppelganger. Thanks to our
0: wonderful listeners for all the Facebook comments. And of course, you can always send us
1: an old fashioned email at zorba at WPR.org.
0: See you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Tom. If you missed anything during the show or just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web at
1: ZorbaPastor.org and, of course, on
0: Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime to leave us your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sedrin For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor <laughs> on Your Health.
2: Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's Healthy Living Articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.